I hope that you've turned again in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. And this is a fourth message, and this will be the final message, and we'll move on to other passages of the Word of God. But we had been looking at prior to Easter, um, why did Peter follow Jesus at a distance? And what was he looking for? What did he expect was going to happen? So let me again read these verses, and I pray that you will follow with me. Matthew 26, verse 57, 58, and then verse 69 to 75. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter followed him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a maid came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Then he went out to the porch. Another maid saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the cock crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let us pray once again before we look at this passage of Scripture. Father, I thank you for these that have gathered today in your house. God, remind us that you are always here. Lord, I thank you that you're not confined to this building. And God, I thank you that the place that you want to reside most is in each of our hearts. And God, I pray that we will learn from Peter. And God, I thank you for the lesson that you taught him that to be a Christian is more than just a lot of lofty words. It is truly committing ourselves completely and totally to follow Jesus, whether it would mean to profess him before men, to be unashamed of him, or whether it would be even to give our own life for him, Father. And God, I pray for us as Christians. It's so easy to just simply say, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of a local church. But it's so easy, Lord, on a day-to-day basis to seek your will and to know your will and to do your will as a follower. God, I just pray that whatever you have desired, that each one of us would learn from this passage of Scripture that we've been learning. And even this morning, Father, as we study once again this passage of Scripture, God, please help us that we will not deny your son, but we would faithfully serve him and bear witness to who he is, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God whose blood was shed that we might know forgiveness of sin, a right relationship with you, and eternal life. Father, please speak to hearts, especially of those that perhaps do not know you as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have studied this passage of Scripture, obviously there's a number of reasons that Peter 
that night denied the Lord and followed him at a distance. Because you see, for each and every one of us, all of us are struggling as Christians to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, I've got to confess that to you. On a day-to-day basis, it is very, very difficult and very, very hard. I think in Peter's case, there were several reasons that Peter that night denied the Lord. First and foremost, folks, he is spiritually tired. He has not watched and prayed. He has not believed the words that Jesus had said that, that they would come for him and arrest him. The disciples could not bring, it seems, themselves to believe that. Jesus had also said, tonight you'll be scattered. And when Peter said, I'll never deny you, I'll never forsake you, Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And folks, we know all of those things happened. Perhaps another reason Peter followed at a distance and denied the Lord is that emotionally he was tired. He, we know he is physically tired. But folks, perhaps Peter and the others have heard and seen all the criticisms and the ridicule of Jesus by the crowds of unbelievers. And now wanting to fit in, not with Jesus, but to fit in with the followers of the crowd, they deny the Lord. Especially Peter. But this morning as we close this series of messages, I want to point something else out. Peter has heart trouble, heart problems. And I'm not speaking here of physical heart problems, but his spiritual heart has problems. And I want to ask you just to consider Peter's plight and my plight and your plight. Do we have spiritual heart trouble? Earlier in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37... And you remember so often the religious groups came up and they questioned Jesus. And in this particular passage of Scripture, Matthew tells us that they were testing Jesus. And a lawyer comes up to Jesus and asks Jesus, what is the great commandment? And listen to Jesus' reply. And it's found in Matthew 22, verse 37. And this, of course, is a quote from the Old Testament out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, now listen to this, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now folks, I want you to hear these words as they penetrate deep into my heart and into your heart. Don't you think this applies to each one of us? Peter has a divided heart. And if you had to put a percentage of your heart, if I had to put a percentage of my heart that is dedicated to serving and loving and following the Lord Jesus Christ right now, what would that percentage be? I don't want to sound critical this morning. I want to sound challenging to you, okay? Because, folks, if Sunday is the only day that we serve Jesus Christ, that means only one-seventh of the week we're serving him. And this is not what the Lord God is demanding of us. Yes, these are hard words, but let's learn to deal with it, okay? Our Lord gave his all for us. 
And you see what Satan wants to do. He wants our hearts to be divided. A part of us desires to serve Jesus Christ, but the other parts so often desire to serve ourselves. And folks, that's the struggle of being a committed Christian, of being a true follower of Jesus Christ. And every single day we're going to face this challenge. How much do we love Jesus Christ? Do we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our minds? And folks, don't just say, well, that's a struggle I'm going to have, so I'm just not going to fight the battle. Folks, I want to point some things out that was causing Peter's heart to be divided. First of all, did you notice in this passage of Scripture that he basically is hanging with the crowd? Look back at verse 58. I'll just read these verses. We won't have them on the overhead, but listen to this. But it says, But Peter followed him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside he sat with the guards to see the end. He is sitting with the guards. In verse 69, he is sitting outside the courtyard. And then in verse 71, He went out to the porch. Now, folks, you might say, well, that's not really that big a deal. Folks, it is. He has separated himself from Christ. Let me read some verses to you out of Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. If you know anything about Psalms 1, you know that this describes the righteous man, the one who is following God, and the wicked man, the one who is following Satan herself. And in the first verse, listen to this description of a godly man. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This man is walking with God. And folks, that's one of the issues that I face on a day-to-day basis. Are we, am I, walking with God? And folks, I want to tell you, there's... These people that talk about, well, I'm just standing on the fence. You're not standing. There's no way we can stand on the fence. We're either serving the Lord Jesus, we're serving self. And you might not believe it because you might be trying to stand on that fence. You see, Peter thinks he is standing on the fence. He is waiting to see what's going to happen. Will Jesus rise up and call legions of angels to come down and destroy all that are seeking to put him to death? And if so, don't you think Peter would have stood up and said, Well, I'll follow you now, Jesus. And isn't it easier in our day to follow the crowd? Don't go against the flow. But if we're going to change the world for Jesus Christ, we've got to go against the flow. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You and I know these verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Folks, you see, Peter was hanging with the crowd that was getting ready to crucify the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. Who do we hang with? It might not be outwardly, but what is our mindset? 
What is our heart so attuned to that that's what we're chasing in life? Is it to be a follower of Jesus Christ or simply to get through this life and one day when we see him we'll say, well, Lord, I followed you all the time. How disappointing perhaps my life and your life is going to be to the Lord. There's something else that was messing up Peter's heart. He had overestimated his spiritual strength. You remember, and we've read these verses several times before, after the Lord's Supper as they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter, uh, Jesus began to tell them that, that he would be uh, smitten that night or he would be taken from them and they would fall away and they would all be scattered. And Peter, in verse 33 of chapter 26, says, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Verse 35, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Folks, you know what that is? That's spiritual pride. You know what happens to people that become proud? Go all the way back to the Old Testament, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And folks, if you and I walk out of this place this morning and say we've got it conquered, we can live the Christian life this week, we don't need to worship God on a day-to-day basis, we don't need to read the Scripture, we don't need to pray, we don't need to grow in our faith, guess what? We're going to fall flat on our faces. And folks, again, here is the reality of what is going on here. Folks, the point I'm trying to make is this. The requirements of God the Father in the Old Testament and Jesus the Son in the New Testament are the same. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Wholehearted, devoted love for Christ. This is what the Lord's Supper is about. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let a man examine himself. Paul is not trying to say none of us are worthy to take of this supper. But he's trying to get us to acknowledge that until we recognize we are in the battle against sin and against self, we cannot be victors until we turn it all over to Jesus and say regardless of the cost, we're going to follow you because we love you. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he loved us. Why should we follow him? Because he loved us. The Full Life Study Bible, many of you have that Bible, has these notes about the love of God and the love that he requires from us. And let me read some of those notes. This love demanded by God in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament requires a heart where God is so valued and esteemed that we truly long for fellowship with him. We strive to obey him and sincerely care for his honor and will on this earth. And those who truly love God will desire to share his suffering. Let me read that again. Those who truly love God will desire to serve his suffering. You say, whoa, wait a minute, I don't believe that. Well, listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3.10. And in Philippians 3, he is talking about the change that God has brought in his life. And Paul has already said in this passage of Scripture, everything that he had before Jesus he counted as garbage. And he used a little bit stronger word in the Greek. Everything that he had before he knew Jesus he had discarded 
because in knowing Jesus, he found peace and he found wholeness and salvation. And listen to what he says. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and look at the next phrase, and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Folks, listen again. Jesus in asking us to follow him is asking us to die to self. Satan doesn't want us to hear that. We think, well, I can be a Christian, and you can't. You can be a Christian, you can confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and then you can just walk away from the Lord and live any way you want to until you see him face to face. But I think we'll regret that decision. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. I'm going to run out of time quickly. Let me move on. In these notes about loving God, our love for God and his son must be wholehearted, a love that is inspired by his love for us. And I hope all of us know this verse, 1 John 4, 19. 1 John 4, 19. We love him, and this is in the King James. We love him. Why? Say it with me. Because he first loved us. He is not asking us to do something for him that he has not already done for us. Our love for Christ should include allegiance and loyalty to Him. Faith as a child to a father. Faithfulness to our commitment to Him. If we have said we're going to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to do it. Peter said, I won't forsake you, but he did. But God allowed him to the repentance. And I'm going to get on that. Let Let me just stay on track. It's not your fault. It's mine, okay? Peter had gotten caught up in the crowd and in the environment that he was around. God wants our heartfelt devotion expressed to him by our dedication to his righteous standards in the midst of a God-rejecting world. Folks, just because our, our world says there's no God or you don't have to serve him or we're, we're, we're wrong in doing that, that's not what God says. God says, love me with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. And folks, in loving God, it brings us into a greater fellowship with Jesus rather than abandoning him and denying him. And there's another reason why Peter Peter denied the Lord. He had lost heart. In Luke 18:1, Jesus tells a parable, and I would encourage you to go read that parable, and it's about persistence in praying. But Luke 18.1, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. The King James translates, not lose heart, not faint. The New International Version, not give up. And the Amplified Bible says, turn coward. Does that describe you and me? Have we lost heart? Have we grown faint? Have we given up? Have we become Christian cowards. And again, that's strong language, and I know that. But folks, let me tell you, the battle will not be won until we become courageous for Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me give you an example of that. In the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 17:32, it's the story of David and Goliath. When David gets to the scene with the supplies that his, that his dad has sent for his brothers, you remember the story that... Uh, that when he got there, Goliath was cursing and crying out against the army of Israel. 
And Samuel tells us that Saul and the army of Israel had become dismayed and greatly afraid. That's 1 Samuel 17, 11. But listen to what David said to King Saul and to the army. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with his Philistines. Folks, are we afraid anymore to love Christ and to serve him because of what other people might think? Folks, it is time that we stood up and spoke up. We have nothing to be ashamed of as followers of Jesus Christ. And those folks that don't believe in him, they're not holding back a bit in my book. They don't mind telling you that they think we're full of mud. But it's time for the church to stand up and say we will follow Jesus Christ because he died on the cross to save us from our sin. Quickly. Here's the conclusion to these messages. Look what Peter would have missed out on if he hadn't repented and turned back to the Lord. And let me just, I'm just going to quickly itemize these things. He would have missed out on seeing and fellowshipping with the resurrected Lord on the Easter Sunday morning. You remember the angels tell the women, go and tell Peter he is risen. You remember that evening, Jesus comes to where those disciples are at and he meets with them. And then 40 days that Jesus is with them according to Acts 1 after the resurrection. How about the one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with Peter in John 21 about his plan for Peter? How about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost? Peter and the others are filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter stands up and preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people are saved. Do you think Peter would have given up anything for that moment in time to see people responding to the gospel? When you and I sit down and shut up, we're not going to see people responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ because they cannot see Jesus in us. Not only did Peter preach, but he performed miracles according to the book of Acts. Suffering for Jesus brought rejoicing to their heart. And that's found in Acts 5.41, if you just want to go and read that passage of Scripture. Then, then the Lord gave Peter a special revelation about everyone was on God's heart and mind. You remember in Acts chapter 10 that Peter is sent to the home of Cornelius. You remember who is a Gentile. Folks, we need to be sent to everybody, regardless of their race, of their socioeconomic background. That's a phrase I heard when I was in seminary socioeconomic background. You know, the truth of the matter is a man without Christ is lost. It doesn't make any difference who he is. In Acts chapter 12, Peter's been put in prison and an angel of God is dispersed or dispensed to get him and get him out of prison. Peter was used of God to write Scripture, First and Second Peter. Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit of God falling upon a man and allowing him to write Scripture. And one day when we get to heaven, I think we're going to see good old Peter. He would eventually see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he'd no longer have to worry about Jesus being put to death on the cross because the cross and the grave could not hold him. And you see, what I'm trying to say is Peter went from being an old crusty fisherman to being a fisher of men. 
And Peter, the denier, truly became the rock that Jesus said that he would become. And folks, here's my point in this. What about you and me? What about our church? What are we missing out on because we deny the Lord and run away from the Lord and we're simply just, we're just sitting around waiting to see, well, is he going to come back? If he comes back, boy, I'm going to be real fired up and I'm going to really serve him. Well, look, when he comes back, he's going to jerk us out of here. It's going to be too late then. We need to be serving him right now and denying him. And I close with this. I don't know why this morning as I was sitting at my desk, I thought about this old chorus. For many of us, we can remember singing this many, many times. But you remember that old chorus? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one. We used to sing, he's the one I'm living for, but someone else has written, he's the one I'm waiting for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And Peter's life proved that. Is our life bearing that out? Is every day that we follow Jesus, is it sweeter than the day before? If not, something needs to change. And it ain't the Lord Jesus Christ. It is us. Let us pray. Father, this morning I pray that my heart, as well as everyone else's heart, is challenged here this day to stop denying you, to stop hanging with the crowd, to stop standing on the fence and start taking up our crosses daily and denying ourselves and following you. God, if these are the last days, if the return of Christ is getting closer, impress upon our heart the importance of the church of Jesus Christ not sitting down and being silent, but standing up and letting the world know who we follow and who our Lord is. And God... I pray for each one of us, if we as Christians have spiritual heart trouble, if our hearts are divided, God, I pray that we would make new commitments to love you with all of our heart and with all of our might and with all of our soul. God, please help us to learn as Peter did who you are. And God, help us that we would commit ourselves faithfully to serve you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.